0: Do you want to be seen? Do you want to be heard? Do you want to be nurtured and cared for? Do you want to feel empowered to becoming your best self? Dr. Miller and Erin Hale, through Selfish Acts, provide just that for children suffering with kidney disease by means of charitable efforts. In this first episode, They both share how the foundation improves the care of children by providing family wellness support, dialysis supplies, and community awareness. Dr. Miller recommends a proactive approach where urinary infections should be investigated to assist with diagnosing the possibility of kidney disease in order to improve the possibility of reversal. And finally, that parents should listen to their kids and pay close attention to the warning signs. Let's get into it. Kidney disease affects an estimated 37 million people in the U.S. alone. According to the National Kidney Foundation, more than 660,000 Americans have end-stage kidney disease and are living by means of dialysis. 70% of children in Jamaica who are diagnosed with chronic kidney diseases are under the age of six years old. Welcome to Impact360, a program that's dedicated to acknowledge organizations that are creating social change in people's lives and by extension communities on a whole. I'm your host, Klein Dean. And today we're going to be talking about pediatric nephrology, children who suffer from chronic kidney disease. Kidney diseases are silent killers, which can largely affect your quality of life. Between 1985 and 2006, there is a mortality rate of 65% where children in in Jamaica die of chronic kidney failure due to the lack of dialysis treatment somehow the good graces of jamaica kidney kids foundation over the last decade or so has played an integral role in helping to decrease this mortality rate and has been providing tremendous support to families affected by this disease which is why we have with us today dr mail miller and erin hales of the kidney kids foundation Darlene Miller is a practicing pediatric nephrologist who is also the founder and chairperson. And Erin Hales, one of the directors. Ladies, welcome.
1: Thank, Thank you.
2: Cute.
0: Hi Sandy. Full disclosure, by the way, you guys are no longer on the video. <laughs> I'm not seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> My interest in Kitten Kids Foundation stemmed from you know, a personal experience I endured. My sister Tanya Coombs died from renal failure. I can't imagine the pain the agony she must have experienced during that period. I know for me, witnessing it was very traumatizing, to say the least. And from then, I connected with the Jamaica Kidney Kids to render any kind of assistance to the efforts being made in providing support to bringing awareness to the disease. Dr. Miller, please share with us the genesis of the foundation and how has the organization evolved since?
2: Well, The foundation started in 2012, primarily as a response to an offer that was made to us for a donation of the contents of a dialysis unit for children. As it turned out, since there was no building for this donation, we needed to raise money. But it was too expensive in overall to get this building done and myself and the other pediatric nephrologists at that time, Dr Gooden, we realized that the needs were greater in actually providing the items required for service for the children than getting a building and thereafter. The foundation changed its focus to helping children, the hospitals that look after children with kidney disease, predominantly the University Hospital, which is the only hospital where children under the age of 12 years can get dialysis. But we do render assistance to any hospital in Jamaica where children with kidney disease are found. We also expanded our goals to the educational arena. Having outdoor outreaches to various schools and public exhibitions on World Kidney Day. And additionally, we had a scholarship fund, as a result of which we have now trained two young pediatricians in the field of pediatric nephrology. And they're stationed at Busterman, I mean, at University Hospital of the West Indies and at Cornell Regional Hospital. Um, additionally, we have a an arm for this called the support group and this is has been a tremendous benefit because we feel that somebody has to care for the care of these children and the needs are not just medical but emotional and spiritual the support group is headed by a parent and they share their experiences and help each other through trying circumstances in this support group also, when we could meet, we had educational meetings once a week, once a, once a month. And we also had a psychologist that was able to help the parents as well as the children. So we have gone beyond just purchasing for hospitals to looking after the children in every aspect. We help the parents also with their back to school supplies. And have treats for them. So remembering that they're children and not just kidney patients.
0: Beautiful. I mean, you've almost left me no room for further questions because such question I had was: Organization Society Kidney Kids Foundation usually exists to fill a gap, right? And you have now um, highlighted what gaps you're you're fulfilling. You have. Um, an integrated approach, which is absolutely excellent. Um, Not just to provide uh, literal equipment and and funding financial assistance, but you are also incorporating um, wellness and health and support system for those families or other family members who are affected um, by kids with kidney disease you're promoting awareness of the disease which is great through outreach programs and of course you are as mentioned in terms of with the training that too is helping to offset um all the 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 trauma that you know comes with having to deal with this um horrible disease tell us Doc, what are some of the common types of kidney disease in children and what are the causes?
2: In children, the commonest cause of are birth defects. So at this time, we are not seeing lifestyle diseases like hypertension and diabetes being a significant cause. So for example, if a child with, is born with abnormal kidneys or is missing a kidney or the drainage system from the kidneys is blocked, this can end up in chronic kidney failure. So that's mm. one huge group. And it accounts for about 40% of the children with chronic kidney disease.
0: One of the causes is birth defects and blockage. And then the, one of the, and then the type is um, chronic kidney failure. The, chronic the kidney
2: failure is a result
0: of, of the,
2: the birth defect, which may have started to damage a kidney from inside of the womb. So Mm. although the blockage is beyond the level of the kidney, the back Mm. pressure can reduce the rate at which the small kidney units develop so that as the child gets older, the body can no longer cope with the waste of the growing child. Mm. Some of them, kidney disease is so severe that the kidney filtering units don't develop properly at all, which means that these babies, from the time they are born, will need to have some
0: intervention. Because the kidneys themselves are non-functional. The kidneys don't
2: function at all.
0: So the key risk factors for chronic kidney disease would be what?
2: Well, the risk factors are beyond anybody's control because the defects have nothing to do with what the mother may have or may not have done. Mm -hmm. However, having identified that the child has a kidney defect, getting early, early recognition an intervention can delay the time at which chronic kidney failure and the need for dialysis occurs because there are interventions such as controlling blood pressure, controlling infection and adding supplements along the way that delay how rapidly the kidney failure progresses because untreated and unchecked, the child is likely to go into what we call end-stage kidney failure earlier than Mm. a child who has been monitored since birth by a kidney specialist.
0: So what are the stages uh, would you say um, leads to the kidney failure? Because kidney failure would be from from the end stage. Right. So the the first first stage,
2: there are five stages of chronic kidney disease and they are based on a number that is part of an equation which incorporates creatinine, which is a kidney blood test. However, to simplify it, stage one is when you just recognize that there's something is wrong with your kidneys, Mm. but the kidneys still work okay. Mm. Stage two is when the function has fallen a little bit but it is not really affecting you too much. Stage three is what we call chronic kidney disease. So the the function has reduced to a level where you now have problems maintaining a good blood count and you're going to start seeing bone disease because your kidneys are no longer producing the hormones that are required to maintain bone and kidney health. Stage four is a a worsening of that which means at this point you might actually start reducing how much urine you're passing and stage five is when you are not filtering your waste at all and you start to have symptoms related Mm. to the poor clearance of your bodily waste like nausea, vomiting, etc.
0: Wow. So what are some of the key features that you would share with the kids and I, and I guess this is where your outreach program comes into play now. and let me tell you folks uh, Erin she is a gem she is I would say the chronic kidney disease whisperer because when she <laughs> interacts with these children they totally forget that there is a sickness who was feeling ill and who was feeling weak and poorly once Erin's come into play and Dr. Merlin as well. They both oh, have this, the, the effect that these two angels have on on the children. So tell us, what are some of the ways that you advise kids and parents alike, and public at large, right. you know, for um, as it relates to, to kidney disease?
1: Okay, so when we have all public exhibitions, we um, we do talk mainly to kids so that they can feel a level of autonomy with their own body so they can feel responsible for themselves as much as they can because you know they're not the ones buying the groceries but you let them know that generally what is healthy what are healthy foods um and then of course what foods do they love so that they can continue eating those things remind them that what they might be doing remind encourage them to keep doing what they're doing if it's good so what is healthy to eat Um, what is okay in small amounts. Like junk food is okay, but just a little bit. Um, But healthy food, like fruits and vegetables and drinking water for sure are things you can do. You can really encourage your family and yourselves to do. And the kids themselves, when it comes to kidneys, we remind them that things like um, how often they go to the bathroom or to go to the bathroom at all. So one of the things we noticed was In At certain places, and I can can appreciate from my own experience at school, you know what I mean? Like, or even public bathrooms are not so nice. You know, they might smell a little bit bad and you might not even want to go near it, but you really need to go. So what some people end up doing, and what I have done in the past, is hold it for the whole day. Hold it until I get to my own personal bathroom and I'm comfortable at my home toilet. But um, we want to encourage the kids that if you need to go, you need to go, you know, because there are... Harmful effects to holding up your urine too often and for too long. And mm-hmm. so we tell them, all right, so you have your tissue, you're going to hold your breath, go into the bathroom, come wipe up, come back out, and then hold your breath, go inside, wash your hands, come back out. You know, mm-hmm. like make it something quick, but still make it effective. Um, mm-hmm. we want them to know that they could they need to be drinking water throughout the day. Um, and everybody should know what their natural, what the normal color of urine should be. So that's the yellow or clear you know Mm -hmm. and dark yellow is okay It just means that you're not drinking enough water but Mm -hmm. um one of the colors we sell them okay so you know that's normal that's okay what's not a good color is dark brown or red um Mm -hmm. depending on the age of the children we might let them know why dark brown or red is not so great because it means that there's blood in the urine but this is specific we specifically focus on that one because nobody's in the toilet with these with these children depending on their age you know and so they are, I've heard things like, you know, who's in the bathroom with you? God. And I appreciate God is in the bathroom with you, but he's not the one going to tell mommy and daddy that the color, that color of urine is wrong. Um, mm-hmm. Specifically about their kidneys, because I mean, most children know that, you know, eating healthy and drinking water is kind of something so rote, like, ah, right. Tell me one more time, you know, mm-hmm. but when it comes to kidneys and the whole reason that we come around is because. Um, is related to the whole urinary system. So your kidneys are connected to your bladder and your bladder is absolutely important when you go to pee. So mm-hmm. when you go into the bathroom and you're there on your own, um, depending on the age of the children, you should know what is normal and what is not. It's normal mm-hmm. for, or rather it's not normal to feel pain when you urinate. It's not mm-hmm. normal to have to try so hard to, ha- to have to urinate. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not normal for urine to, co- to come out <clears throat> dark brown or red um, mm-hmm. and those are the kind of things that only the children themselves or only the individual themselves will recognize you know so over the course of any of my um, talks with children in, or groups of kids it's like make them feel really powerful in their own bodies like this is their body they are in charge of it um it's the only one they've got so they can um so they they are paying attention to what's what's wrong and what's right and when something is not going right, or when something doesn't is not normal, who to talk to? So they can feel protected because there are teachers and parents and grandparents and extended family who care about whether they're healthy, whether they're healthy or not, and so they can tell somebody, um, and that they are the only they are who recognizes when something is wrong without necessarily somebody else needing somebody else noticing it themselves. So we kind of get them to feel um, a sense of of um, empowerment in themselves so that's kind those are the kind of things I encourage children and adults themselves because this is of course an adult those are adult symptoms also of a Mm bit of a larger problem um that we get them to recognize
0: for themselves
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so i i get that birth defects and blockages are some aspects in terms of the causes you mentioned in terms of not being able to urinate color of the urination is not normal is abnormal, you know, having difficulty, um, passing urine. Um, but are some other signs of the disease? Um, would you say that includes if they have dry or itchy skin? Um, if they're feeling tired, if they're, you know, having trouble sleeping or oversleeping, um, and usually, At what stage would you see the main causes for persons to want to go to the doctor outside of those who are who are born with with the with the disease? To answer that, I would need to go
2: a little bit into other causes.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Right? So there are other causes that fall into a category called nephritis, which is a kidney inflammation. So within the kidney, there are little filters, and each of these filters may be affected by a number of things. You may have a genetic problem that does not, it's not a birth defect, and it may not become obvious until you're a certain age. And at that time, your kidney becomes inflamed and you develop signs
0: of kidney disease. So that would, you mentioned age, but,
1: it
2: so depends. Can you can get travel. it at any age, and it depends on the cause.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We used to see more frequently a condition called post-strep nephritis, which is what you get when you get infected mosquito bites, and the children scratch it, and a germ called strep goes in it, and the body, in trying to fight off this strep, attacks the kidneys, and the urine goes brown. We mm. don't see that very much anymore but it can still happen. And you can also get nephritis after tonsillitis from the same germ. So wow. these are all preventable nephritis causes, because if you seek medical attention, when, if you have just one little sore, it's no big deal. But mm-hmm. if multiple sores come out, or if you have a sore throat at all, you should see a doctor, because there are even more serious problems from the sore throat, because you can get what is called rheumatic fever where you Mm. get heart damage. So those are things that you possibly could prevent if you are a little bit vigilant. Mm. There are the other causes such as autoimmune diseases like lupus. So Mm. children also can get lupus and they tend to get it more severely than their adult peers. So you would know that, for example, they would not, might not know they have kidney disease, but they would go to the doctor because the child's hair is falling out, they're getting right. a rash, they're losing weight, they're having joint pains, etc.
0: So and it's non- yes. an underlying issue that actually the the kidney right. disease. So what might
2: send them to the doctor are symptoms of the underlying disease, and then they will realize in working up the, child that the kidneys are
0: involved. Interesting. Is the access to care prevalent? I mean, how many pediatric nephrology centers exist on the island? I know you mentioned earlier that children usually get care at the UE, at University Hospital of the West Indies. But um, what are the other access?
2: We now have three pediatric nephrology centers. So we've gone from one pediatric nephrologist between
0: 1984 okay, and the Dr. Miller. To, huh? No, Only we had
1: six. six. Well, okay, there's the, the centers as in actual hospitals, and then there are the actual Number specialists, doctors. the doctors themselves. So mm-hmm. there are six doctors, but three, yes, three. I noticed they had the, oh my gosh, just three. But for the yes. whole of Jamaica, yeah, just three yes. centers um, at which these doctors work. But and where the these
2: used to have be? just one center and it was only at UE. Now children can get care at Bustamante Hospital, mm. at UE, as well as um, Cornell Regional Hospital.
1: Mm. So
2: Cornell so Regional Hospital serves the West, and UE and uh, um, Bustamante serve the rest. So it's still a distance to go from one place to the other, but we have a very good network of very, very dedicated pediatricians who have hotlines to all the pediatric nephrologists. Is that So so? if a patient patient is a problem, you just get on the phone and you speak to one of us, we'll give you a plan to work with and if the child needs to be transferred, then a transfer is arranged. Mm -hmm. So they'd simply need to make contact with a pediatrician in their area and Mm -hmm. then it will go from there however what hasn't really expanded is the availability of pediatric dialysis outside of kingston which Mm -hmm. makes it very difficult for children coming from the west Saint Anne, anywhere else outside of kingston because transportation is really really expensive expensive and difficult so for although they can access the facilities other than dialysis more easily, then once you reach the end stage, it becomes problematic.
0: Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that expense. I mean, so there are only three centers in the entire island. And uh, I know one main feature of the foundation is to assist, to help to offset costs for, for, um, for treatment. On average, what would you say is the cost per child on a weekly, monthly basis? And well,
1: the last time we had checked, it was about, let's say on an, an estimated $9,000 for a session. And mm-hmm. then you multiply that by three about three four. times, three to four times a week. And that's every week for the rest of your life yeah it it's it adds up absolutely and it's because and this is why it is so important to slow the progression of chronic kidney disease you know because it's dialysis is when it's necessary absolutely necessary the end point the kidneys are absolutely kaput they don't they're not doing anything dialysis is needed in order to replace that function
0: the preferred modality for treatment, what would that be?
2: Other methods are simply what we call medical intervention. Mm -hmm. You will need dialysis when you reach stage five, because no matter what you do medically, you cannot control your waste products, and you can die if your potassium goes too high, your calcium goes too low, your anemia cannot be controlled. So if you are able to control all the other parameters that will push you along, you can reduce your, pro- your waste by reducing the protein in your diet, by reducing the phosphate in your diet. So by mm-hmm. those methods, you can keep things a little bit better under control. You can control your blood pressure by reducing your salt intake. You can mm-hmm. control the potassium, which when it's high in this advanced stages can stop your heart by eating foods that are low in potassium. So the dietary intervention becomes kind of important from really, really early as well as medical management controlling blood pressure, bone disease and anemia. But all of those will end up at dialysis no matter what you do eventually. So dialysis or renal replacement therapy comes when, no matter what you do, you cannot keep your patient healthy. So renal replacement therapy would be in two forms. One is dialysis and the other is kidney transplant. The thing mm. was, in Jamaica, kidney transplantation has really not gone too far. In the 70s, we were the leaders in the Caribbean.
0: Mm. So what time, happened?
2: Then over time, then nurses migrated, things became expensive, ICU space became short, drugs for immunosuppre- to suppress the immune system became very, very expensive, and uh, it just petered out. There has been over at least the last five years an effort to revive it. And transplants have been done up until COVID now. The last two years, I think they've been kind of stalled, but five years or so before, Cornwall had started doing transplants every year, um, about two or three a year. And in 2019, Yui had started doing transplants also. And one of our kidney kids who was by then around 17, had a transplant from his mom. But at the mm. present time we're only doing what are called live donor transplants. You have to have some alive person who is going to give you a kidney. Unfortunately, all the other kidney kids don't have mummies whose kidneys are compatible. So they still have to rely on dialysis. So transplantation so the, is ideal. Dialysis
0: so, is what you have to do to stay alive until. So the frequency of... Yeah. Frequency of that practice is almost non-existent at the moment, pretty much.
2: Especially during, well, since the COVID times. Wow. So it has started reviving, but it's super expensive. In the government Mm. hospitals, all the supplies would be paid for, like all the medications and so on. At Mm. UE, for the few transplants that happened already, the hospital was able to subsidize. But I can see that when it restarts, the patient will be responsible for finding their own funding both for the workup of the donor as well as for the transplant recipient Mm. so though people talk very happily about I need a transplant before a transplant can be done you have to have a donor that donor needs to be evaluated to make sure that they will not be disadvantaged by having only one that they themselves don't have a problem because one of our Kidney kids parents was found to be diabetic. When she was screened, she had no idea she was.
0: Wow, So
2: the screening process needs to be done. And for the recipient, the patient who is getting the transplant, they need to make sure what the internal anatomy is, like where the kidney is going to go. And the key thing is whether the two people are compatible. Because if you have a completely different blood group, your body's going to reject. And if you get through that hurdle, there are other tests that need to be done to see if there are other areas where
1: you are not going to, you're going to reject. It's so funny that in TV shows, people go, I need a diet, I need a transplant immediately. And you know, it can just happen. It seems
0: easy, like you just go to the shop to purchase. A, right?
1: A, a... You just need somebody who matches, like my sister, yeah. and you know, automatically, and it has nothing to, they don't talk about the health of the sister. Okay
0: more intricate than that
1: it's so much more detailed than that for sure
2: but back to your store question about dialysis there are two kinds of dialysis One, there's mm. hemodialysis where mm. you're hooked up to a machine and your blood goes into the machine is purified and comes back to you dialysis is a, a terminology for purifying blood using your rotten kidneys while your, your rotten kidneys are still in place mm. right Whereas transplant, you, you have a new kidney that's doing everything and you're not depending on machinery. You start to no. talk to the parents about dialysis in stage three because that's right. when you start using medications for blood and the medications for bones. Right. And you need to prepare them for what's coming up. It's stage right. five when your numbers are going out of control or mm-hmm. you may not be gaining weight, etc. that
0: you have to
2: do dialysis or else you're going to die. So,
0: between stage one and four, what do they do intermittently?
2: They take medication, they have checkups, the blood pressure is monitored, the urine is kept infection-free, they monitor them for anemia and help to prevent it. So, it's all stuff to keep your body normal within the limitations of each stage.
0: And then other other interventions would be, the, you know, the diet and exercise and so on and so forth. Right. Um, so okay so it's the it's actually at stage five that dialysis takes place but at stage three and four it is now being considered is it at all possible that even at stage is it possible that stages one to two the disease can be reversed it all depends
2: what causes it because Mm -hmm. if for example you have lupus and you had a bad flare-up, and the kidneys were involved, but you went through a period of intense treatment for both the lupus and the kidneys, the kidney problem could be reversed. Chronic is the term applied to when the kidney problem has lasted more than three months. Most times, the chronic cannot be reversed, So, but stage one and two of CKD means it's over three months, but you may have fluctuations back and forth, Mm -hmm. but you may be… precipitated into a four or a five, if something catastrophic happens to you. For right. example, you get COVID, and it, COVID affects your kidney. And mm. whatever little reserve you had has been knocked out by the virus invading the kidney.
0: With having to deal with this disease, the travel and the medication, psychological effects that it has, it's very costly.
1: Mm-hmm. In more
0: than one ways. So with that combination of, of costs, it would be in the long run, more prudent for persons to undergo a transplant. Do you agree? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. No. a transplant overall is a cheaper and better alternative. Right. But the startup costs is uh-huh. one time and a lot. Right. So if you don't have the initial capital investment, it's it, is ther- it is a theoretical. It's, it is theoretical
0: because you cannot find garbage. the money for the first. Yeah. Yes, it's looks fetched. But I mean, Dr. Man, when you look down the road, and you think, yes, I'm going to be saving, and not just monetarily, but otherwise, just the whole transaction of having to, you know, to to go to hospital visits, etc and having to deal with um you know physical ailments that come along with having this disease for kids who do the transplant, and donors who possibly are able to give and you know the compatible donors the possibility of it being successful what are the ramifications of that would the person the donor also have to deal with I mean, Would they have to be on 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 medication? Would would the recipient also have to be on medication thereafter the transplant or no?
2: Yes, yes for the recipient and no for the donor. Okay. The donor so kidney you, would not he, be
0: taken. So that everything is all right and then that's... Right. that's they would
2: not take the kidney from the donor if there was any
1: suspicion that they could not manage with one as healthily right. as before because sometimes yeah. people have one kidney functioning for their whole lives and never know and they live right. full active lives however yeah. the recipient will have to take anti-rejection
2: medications for the rest of their lives
1: mm-hmm. and in a lot of
2: cases the most cases the old-time mm-hmm. kidneys are still there and so although the kidney is working fine the old time kidneys may still be causing some level of high blood pressure, which means blood pressure medications may be needed. If wow. it turns out that the, the, the old kidneys are really more of a danger than otherwise, they may
1: elect to remove them before putting in the new one. Because removing the old kidneys is not standard when putting no, in a new kidney. No, Where
2: the that's new kidney goes into your pelvis.
1: Whereas
2: the old kidneys
1: are just under the rib cage. There's sort of, there, there are diagrams that have two kidneys at the top and then like the third one attached to the system, but just mm-hmm. lower down, you know. So it is it is interesting that you would assume that if you're taking, if you're adding something new, you take out the old stuff. Like if you're having a heart transplant, you take the old one out and put the new one in. As it is standard, they just put the new kidney in because it isn't, expected that the old kidneys will cause problems. It's it's almost an exception to the rule that the old kidneys will cause continuous problems. But again, that
2: evaluation is done while transplant is being planned. So they would so know from if They would know if this, the old kid, for example, if the old kidney produces a whole lot of urine, but not good urine, just pure water, it will make it hard for the new kidney, for the patient to drink enough liquids for both the old one that's peeing tons of useless urine, as well as for the good kidney that needs its own water supply. So but sometimes,
0: sometimes. for us. All right.
2: Within the kidney, you have uh, in the filters, they go into a series of tubes before it ends up down the ureter and then into the bladder. So you filter into the tubes, keeping back good stuff, and letting out the things you don't need. And sometimes some of the things that are filtered like some sodium, some potassium, some calcium are reabsorbed along the way. Certain types of kidney disease, the reabsorption process is very inefficient. So you end up losing, dumping stuff you really need and not filtering stuff that you really should be dumping but you are passing a lot of water because water reabsorption is not taking place oh, so that okay. person may need to drink about six liters of water child now to prevent them from becoming dehydrated I and even, if, really even if, really if they too. became dehydrated the kidneys will still pump out urine until there was nothing more to come out so that's now, why that's that needs urination. come out urination because there's no way when the good one comes in and needs three more liters that that little kid can drink nine.
0: Wow. I read somewhere, doc, um, I think it was a research paper done at the university hospital that mentioned the posterior urethral valves and right. so that's poly- a con- contribute significantly to chronic renal failure. Expound yeah. on that. So
2: when I spoke about obstruction, mm-hmm. so the kidneys, are at the top and they drain by tubes down into the bladder. At the base of the bladder, then you have the opening which is controlled by a muscle. During the process of development, there were two little valves, like little tents within the tube. And they disappear by the time you're born or before your kidney development has gone very far. But in some children, these valves are still there which means urine can't come out. And because it's at the back of the urethra, which is a tube through which urine comes, is called posterior urethral and it's a valve. It's valves, mm-hmm. but that's the commonest obstruction that causes chronic kidney failure in our children. Posterior, re- urethral. Poster- those, those are congenital. Just Yeah, like, so there okay. are those things. Those are the ones, the commonest birth defect causing chronic kidney failure in all population. But nowadays we, we have a, for a while from about nine, the 1980s started a protocol of investigating children who have urinary tract infections because that's the commonest way that children with this complication ha- are picked up.
1: Mm. If they're not
2: picked up in the newborn period because their kidneys look distended, then the stagnant urine will eventually present as a urine infection with smelly pee and so on. And during the course of investigating them, we will find out that, oh, there's a blockage, we need to
1: fix it. So it's not something that's immediately obvious necessarily?
2: It would be immediately obvious if the valves were severe and not allowing any urine through at all, because Mm -hmm. you'd have picked it up from they were born. Okay. All right, because their bladders would be full and they would have some, from they were born, evidence that the kidneys were having a hard time.
0: What are some of the strategic, if any, interventions that you would recommend to prevent additional cases of renal failure?
2: Well, the one, since a number of our problems are congenital, things that they're born with, if we could have a better system of antenatal and more widespread system of antenatal ultrasounds Mm because we had done a review of children up to 2015 and found that of the children who turned out to have posterior urethral valves, less than 10% were picked up on the ultrasound, less than 10%, 10%, 10%. which is not good at all because mothers who had an ultrasound, everything is okay, so everything must be okay. But you mm. need to be those need to be done with a certain degree of great accuracy because it can mean the difference between kidney failure and no kidney failure. So more widespread antenatal ultrasounds, better antenatal ultrasounds that mm. kids with urinary infections be investigated and not just treated because if all you do is treat you're going to miss those until things become really bad and they now show signs that they're not
1: their kidneys are not working so in other words if all you do is treat you're just doing with the symptoms as opposed to the cause on the right right. so
0: right we can make
1: an earlier
2: diagnosis that improves the possibility of complete reversal Mm.
0: how are the cases how are these cases being documented in jamaica and in you know in jamaica and how can the public get access to this information well i
2: mean i do not Dr. Abel and I have an abstract published in Pediatric Nephrology, but that's kind of, I don't think it is available to the general public since most people are not nephrologists and you have to have a subscription. Mm -hmm. But um, Dr. Abel is a pediatric. He's a pediatric urologist at at Bustamante Children's. However, the data regarding the contribution of posterior urethral valves to chronic kidney failure. Mm-hmm. is available online once you google chronic kidney failure in jamaican children because we have three papers mm-hmm. up to 2012 um just showing, is, this
0: version. Mm-hmm.
2: right so it's it's in wimj but it is it's been around such a while you don't have to have any special clearance to get it. just post chronic kidney failure in jamaican children and you will see the three articles the difference between 1985 and 2000 When most children were presenting with infection and nephritis as opposed to obstruction. Mm
0: -hmm. And these
2: were children who were not getting the right treatment. Right? So, Mm -hmm. remember, I told you that if you pick up a nephritis, a kidney inflammation early, like lupus, you can zap it and prevent it from progressing. If you recognize that this particular thing doesn't have a good outlook in the long term, then you Mm -hmm. won't know to refer it, patient. So between 85 and 2000, we had a whole public educational program with the doctors, with the pediatric association and all the doctors in the outlying hospitals to say, okay, these are children who need to be referred. And Mm -hmm. we have over these decades through the pediatric training program at UWE graduated a bunch of doctors who know quite a bit about kidney disease because it's part of their program. Mm-hmm. They know what to refer. They know when to get a second opinion. So the children who have potentially reversible disease like that, we mm-hmm. hardly see anymore. It's okay. just those who have the birth defects or okay. things that
0: have are we've tried hard and could not do anything about. Mm-hmm. So you have the support of U.E. I'm hearing. Are there any other agencies that support your efforts in raising no, awareness? No, it's not just U.E. It's a Pediatric Association. Pediatric Association. Pediatric
2: Association of Jamaica. In the mm-hmm. days before COVID, they used to have outreaches to different hospitals, and then they would carry a specialist or one or two specialists to kind of give insight into their particular area, like. pediatric endocrinology hormone specialists or a cardiology specialist or a neurology specialist to improve the knowledge base and they have conferences where this is uh, the, the knowledge is imparted. We since 2013 have been having conferences and training programs for the not just pediatricians, but medical practitioners across the island so we share updates in the treatment and as pediatric nephrologists from time to time, we create protocols for management that we impart at these uh, um, conferences. And mm-hmm. our next
0: conference is on the 24th of October. we we'll get into that uh, momentarily. Um, the, the program, I would consider to be um, somewhat of a um, reactive measure. Mm -hmm. What are the proactive in terms of for support? I know, and I've, I've seen snippets of kids who may be suffering from this disease. Not everybody is made aware of, you know, what happens surrounding this disease. And so the likelihood of supporting the the the, the child and parents whether the parent has to take time off work to you know to to, to have to deal with the, the the kid going back and forth for treatments or the child being in school and having difficulties managing a situation you know this health crisis teachers are not so compassionate um, employers are not so compassionate. What measures, doc, would you say that we could implement to help to alleviate that um, non-caring attitude from external forces, and to have them be more cohesive in the in the care and management of of the kids as it relates to the kids' support system? How can d- the Jamaican populace support the support system?
2: Well, I guess we can, if we had more help, we could do social media posts. We had done in 2017 or 2018, we did interviews with the parents so that they're shared their journeys. Um, we can, again, our website is being upgraded so that the parents' stories can be there. Um, we have, when COVID was not a thing, we would go out to, to schools and churches and places that had, and to service clubs. Essentially awareness. To improve awareness of this, but I do think it would be a good time to repost the parent interviews as well as maybe an undertaking as a project, um, tracing one child's journey from diagnosis to dialysis and all the the changes that the parent had to go through and the job issues and so on
0: Mm -hmm. that's a big feat for such an organization as yours to try to educate the entire island so are there any other agencies that you know would be able to support or have in the past supported your efforts of raising that kind of awareness um of kidney disease Chase it's has been really children.
1: Chase has been really wonderful when it comes to sponsoring the conferences. Granted, they have lately been doing a lot when it comes to purchasing the supplies needed for dialysis that are disposable. So use them once and they're done. So they use them a whole lot of them over the course of a year. So Chase has been able to sponsor that. And whenever we have a conference, Chase has tried to sponsor at least partly. Of these things. So basically we get to have the conference, educate the general well not necessarily the general public more like the the medical the healthcare providers of Jamaica Um, when it's even better we get to have uh, workshops and visit the hospitals ourselves Um, we have visited hospitals in Black River um, in Portland across the island so they have been helpful Um, there's been progressive so progressive grocers, the group, they have allowed us to have donation boxes at their stores, and that's where lots of people get their exposure to us. It's kind of amazing you know, because sometimes people will see us at these boxes and then they'll look us up to see maybe this thing is real Let's see if, it, if it's if the store itself um, advocates for us, we can't be something you know non-legit. You know, so people might reach out to us themselves. And that's how we get people like yourself who are, you know, long-term volunteers and advocates of ours. Um, So Progressive has been helpful over the years. Um, Chase has been helpful. Satchikor has been helpful because we have been twice the beneficiary of uh, Sigma Fun Run Um, Mm -hmm. and Rotary. Rotary. So Rotary this year, Rotary Club of North St. Andrew has Mm -hmm. um, donated a whole heap of blood pressure machines and specialist blood pressure machines to hospitals across Jamaica and then the specific nephrology centers. Um, We have conference sponsors that have been helpful a lot over almost every time, like JN, like um, Grace Kennedy, like what, Elite, Mm -hmm. and you know, lots of these companies have, they help where they can, you know what I mean? So we may not be able to have like a huge um, uh, a huge major sponsor you know like a major foundation and we're just underneath their umbrellas but many people many companies ha- are donating what they can and how they can you know like JMB foundation John Duncan foundation donated in I think it was 2015 or 2016 when we were able to renovate. to renovate the pediatric, the peritoneal dialysis section of the ward at the hospital at UWE and we were able to just get new furniture you know new sheets new curtains decor we painted off the whole thing. it was really beautiful at the end of it you know what I mean and yes. so we have had some really incredible support over the years so yeah so we have had um corporate support on a major level
0: corporate support and I'm hearing from from what you're seeing, Erin, is that there's they've supported you on these initiatives monetarily, mm-hmm. but not so much as spreading awareness as to the the detriments and um, the proliferation of of of, of uh, psychological mm-hmm. that it can, you know, that that stems from having to deal with this. Um, yeah. This
2: <laughs> they yeah. do they, because i think it's it really for for that to go out we would need to have i think some videos or educational material that could be run in in their waiting rooms mm-hmm. while people are waiting to pick up their groceries and so on so it—that that is how it there may be go. possible to do so there you go doc
0: it, it was in fact progressive that yes it was in fact progressive we <laughs> have something to add on our yeah list. yeah yeah okay. <laughs> It's, like, it's, it's um,
1: in fact progressive who had told us you know get yourself a poster and we will put it up at all of our stores which yes. essentially was like a poster about each of the children you know mm-hmm. so each of the kids there was a small photo of them there was a story of what age they started dialysis and what their personality is like and how long they've been on this. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's and essentially support as well. Yes. Right? It was I mean, really helpful. And it was such a great idea because it added it was made things personal and
0: relatable. You
1: mm-hmm. know? So it's just right. like what you're seeing.
0: Yeah. So this so 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 now you're going to re imagine assisting your patients have the opportunity to meet other patients, you know, for them to share the experiences and to receive ongoing support, um, including those who are affected by this disease, whether it be relatives, whether it be friends.
1: That's the support group. So remember, you have come to our support group treats, whether it's at Christmas time or back to school. And it's not just the kids themselves, not just even a kid and a parent. It's the Mm -hmm. whole family, you know, Mm -hmm. so the siblings them siblings as well who get to enjoy the time together to enjoy. At Christmas, we try to get as many. We try to get gifts for the kids also, the the siblings and the cousins who happen to come. Because ultimately you want everybody to feel welcome and loved and appreciated because um, I can't. I don't have a a sibling with a chronic illness, but I can imagine that it takes away the attention that you'd want from your parents, you know what I mean? So um, each child, the child who's ill themselves, has to deal with all of what we are talking about, but the healthy sibling has to either help to take care of this child or has to accept that they're not going to get the kind of attention from mommy or daddy that you know their sibling does, you know. So whenever they come to us and comes and come to our our treats, our picnics, our gift giving, we want everyone to feel welcome. So I can I and appreciate what you're saying in terms of like having people who are going through this and people who are new to it can right. can share the experience. You know.
2: Well, so having have, a
0: have every- as, a new pa- as a parent who is no having to deal with this new issue that just sprung up on on my family and Mm -hmm. i'm looking you know to source some kind of comfort some kind of a support outside of just going to the doctors Mm -hmm. um would i be able to go on the website to to get like a contact list or how do i get access to that kind of a support that is needed
2: usually well the support the, the support the core support group are the patients on dialysis. The patients who are who are CKD three and over.
0: Mm -hmm. We are dealing
2: with the fives and the fives, which are the ones who are on dialysis. That is a very strong core group. We used Mm -hmm. to meet every month, but now we have a parent WhatsApp group and they share their experiences. If there is a new child on dialysis, If I will know about it or the head of the the parent group will know about it, Mm -hmm. and although they can't go and actually meet them, which sometimes can happen because they're in the hospital, they will be introduced to the group to share, and if they will also be able to talk to the parents individually so that they can guide them through their own personal experiences and how it turned out and it wasn't so scary. Mm -hmm. Um, Although the other pediatric kidney specialists are aware in the other hospitals are aware of this um we don't have many we haven't had any granted we are using just the dialysis kids and the only kids on dialysis are Yui. Mm-hmm. um we don't have all the the parents involved that are at boston mount cornwall we do however have the ones that their pediatric kidney specialists recommended to us so we do have a couple from boston and we do have a couple from Uh, regional, but Mm -hmm. as as part of our core group, so Mm -hmm. we do have. A a group of children who are CKD three and over who are benefiting from blood tests that we pay for them, so I think it would be could be possible that we might reach out to the doctors within, within the other hospitals who haven't mm-hmm. referred those patients to the group to see if they are interested so that's a good idea so it's through the doctors themselves yeah because they would know yeah. otherwise.
0: kind of a support yeah I mean, like, to so the first yeah. to meet with each other and yeah and yeah. To, be able to, to to speak of you know each other's experiences and how they deal with it and how they can cope for with, sure what it is that they're going through i'm going to reverse a little bit doc you had mentioned the need for for specialist specialized nurses um, and additional centers across the island right i read where the international society of nephrology uh, they offer several funded education and training opportunities as well as as well as research grants does the JKK participate in, in, in any such activity? Yeah, that's how we got our first two trained. Ah.
2: And the third, the other doctor who was trained, we were able to identify, kidney kids was able to identify a location for her to be trained at. Mm-hmm. And she received benefits from we got benefits from both International Society of Nephrologists as well as International Pediatric Nephrology Association. Mm-hmm. But it must be understood that the contributions that they offer are mm-hmm. about one-third of what they, pay, they need for their total so costs. So wow. we still had to raise significant amount of money to get the others trained, and that came from donations from public and private sector within the country. I don't think we need a whole lot more nephrology centers. I think we need one in Mandeville.
0: We need one in Mandeville. In order to cover the main Yeah. Is there, so, isn't there a pediatric a- nephrology center?
2: We do need somebody. The Mandeville kids are being managed at, at UE, but it would be so much easier for them if they could be managed there. There is an adult dialysis unit there, which has far more patients than it has facilities for in terms of dialysis. Mm-hmm. But I really would like that there's somebody who would be interested in doing pediatric nephrology there and I've made several inquiries and even when I go on conferences overseas I try to find any Jamaicans who I've trained over abroad to come back but so far no takers. So what's the
0: hesitance do you think?
2: Well it's a lot of work. You have to like hard work. You have to have like to, like sleepless nights. And if you're coming from abroad, you have to like starvation wages. You-
0: so there are challenges being faced that needs to be addressed.
2: But the thing is that it's still better than when we only had a, a site in Kingston, cause in the, the West was really having it really hard. Children had to migrate and
1: live in Kingston to be treated And some of them had to move away from their parents in order to do that.
0: You are definitely impacting lives. You're definitely impacting communities. One of the reasons why I think you have been such a success, because you are a success stories. You have um, helped to eliminate, subtract, um, prevent additional mortality rates uh, throughout the and you've gotten major support from from corporate Jamaica as well as individuals when especially when you're doing your outreach programs and when you have you know um certain initiatives um one of your latest initiatives was as you mentioned you've given blood pressure machines to what 15 hospitals across the island you need other support right you need volunteers um to help with the operations of the foundation erin briefed me that she is is gonna be leaving soon for a couple of years and uh, let me tell you people erin is head wash and buckle cooker right (laughs) She does absolutely anything and everything related to the foundation and its activities. So tell us a little bit about what's 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 going to happen, Erin, um, and in your absence, you know, the kind of help that um, Dr. Miller is going to need while you're away.
1: So um, you and I had discussed last week like about the different roles and the different type of ways that we'd love people to be able to help. Right. So, one is accounting, so we have our accountant, but we want. But what I do is I make sure that at least everything is prepared for him to be able to look at. So there's keeping an eye on the accounts and the balances and can we afford X, Y and Z this month? Um, so there's that job. Um, then there's the volunteer management. So even as we're talking about the different kinds of volunteers that we want right now, they're going to need. We're going to need someone who can speak to people, introduce them to the foundation, um, and, and. Pretty much coordinating the activities. Yeah, exactly. So, Mm -hmm. so kind of somebody who's just on top of everything. Um, then there's marketing, so social media, um, and having the content that we have for that and to sync that up between like, we have Facebook, we have Twitter and we have Instagram. Um, Mm -hmm. Then we have our website, we have the website developers, but we would love somebody to be able to interface with them because, um, as you know, website development or when you really want something, you need to be very detail oriented, you know, Mm -hmm. so there's that as well. Um, There are the donations coming in, so recognizing, all right, so um, if it's an in-kind donation, we take stock of every single thing coming in. Have the value attached to that? There's just so many um, steps involved um, with these foundation, with uh, with a foundation in general, um, which is why ultimately, you know, we want to be able to be at the level of like a, a national foundation that does that has a team of people in an office ready and willing to, you know, go out and do the the, in, the outreaches, teach people about what it is that your topic is, um, and people who are able to welcome more and more beneficiaries so essentially we'd want to be able to help more people but in order to do that we have to be able to help optimally the people we do help you know Mm -hmm. so we have we have big dreams um yeah so we're coming up on the 10 years now yeah so it's it's uh, it's been an expansion so far so it's we're, we're getting there we're only we're only a, a baby
0: foundation, really. Absolutely, you're definitely making progress. You are impacting lives for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Doc, I read something that you like to read suspense novel.
2: Yes, I don't like reading or seeing movies <laughs> that have medicine in it
0: because it's inaccuracies.
2: And you just want
0: to jump up and sh- turn the TV off. <laughs> what keeps you both grounded? Cause doc you mentioned you have medical practitioners who shy away from undertaking all of these, you know, tasks, heavy tasks that you are you are taking up. You are, you know, running with this mantle to care for, to manage um, disease, not just the, the kids, but you know, those parties involved, the support system, the friends and family members, relatives of, of these kids, and you you're doing such a tremendous job. What what keeps you grounded? What keeps you grounded, um, Ari? Both of you.
2: Well, for me, I think I do the best I can. Sometimes it's not as much as I want, and then I get kind of frustrated with myself. I have mm-hmm. learned not to judge others who are not doing any the similar thing, because every, as as Joel Osteen says, everybody has their own race. So mm-hmm. I might say, why aren't you doing that? But I was up whole night because a child was needed to be on dialysis and had to put the child on. And then the next day I had water rounds, and three other children crashed, And uh, there they have other things that are time consuming and they have families. So we can all make a contribution in different ways. And I don't think there is a single medical practitioner that would not give help if they could, if asked. Mm-hmm. You know, so if the conference is coming up, we have, um, international speakers, but we every single pediatric nephrologist has done about two or three talks in spite of COVID and in spite of all They're their all, all their responsibilities. Wow. What keeps me grounded is trying to have faith like I'm not always great at this, but having faith that it's going to work out in the end that God is in charge and whether or not it seems that it can work, it will mm. work. Because the mm-hmm. foundation was started with an idea that I had from 2008. I put it on my vision board. I had pictures of
1: it, and gradually it came
2: That's into great. the top. <laughs> and, She's, and a then, big She's a
1: big vision boarder. She's a big vision boarder. Wow! And amazing. then, like two weeks ago,
2: we didn't have any. We didn't know how we were going to pay for the va- medication for somebody, and just said, "God, thank you, thank you for providing the medication." And mm-hmm. then somebody gave a hundred thousand dollar check, and we could buy the medication. So wow. it's to have the faith that even if you don't know how you have to have faith that it will and it will work out in the best way possible.
0: Wow, yeah. on you?
1: Um, it's it has been a, a, a lifetime kind of practice of being gentle with self and OK, I can do what I can do. Today's best is not necessarily yesterday's best, um, but I'm doing my best um, and that is really as much as you can do. Um, so it's really one thing. It is it's to work alongside mommy, who is this powerhouse, absolutely dedicated, up until all hours of the night doing what needs to be done. It's I mean to compare yourself to that, you, you you'll never reach that level. You'll never. You know what I mean? So my 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 little mantra is that I'm doing my best. You know what I mean? And she never makes me feel as if I'm not doing enough. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of appreciating that you know you're doing your best. You're doing as much as you can. There are only set number of hours in the day. Um, There's only there's priority. What can be done and what would be nice to be done? Um, so not everything will get done, Mm. but what's important is is what is what's important is going to is going to be covered. You know, so th- there's that, there's that, um, and that's something that I try to like have on every level. So I'm doing my best when it comes to um, preparing for preparing work things. I'm doing my best when it comes to, you know, writing up personal essays and that kind of thing. So you know what I mean? It's, it's a, um, it's a
0: consistent
1: um, reminder. That's just that's like one of them. That's that's a big reminder to have for myself.
0: You're doing your best, Erin, but the best is yet to come. I'm sure mm-hmm. I'm not the only one who heard you say, Mommy, just now." Yes. So,
1: so tell us about That. So you know what? Um, when we have volunteer
0: orientations, it's I did. Only, you know what mummy are you talking about? I
1: know, right? So you know, <laughs> when we have volunteer orientations, and my office would be near to hers, so people would come to my office, and we introduce them to the foundation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When she comes down to meet them. I have to immediately go, I might slip into mummy because this is mummy. You know what I mean? So it doesn't look like I'm, I'm, I'm getting too familiar with my boss. So
0: you know, if, if anyone is wondering Dr. Yes. Miller is Erin Hill's mother. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, a powerful, it's a powerful duo right there. An absolute gem. An absolute gem.
1: This is how I got into it and this is how it's so hard to come out of it. Yes. You know?
0: Because it's just
1: it's it's there. It's all it's 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 ever present and such a big part of her. Mission. It's everything a daughter could possibly be.
0: I, I'm, I'm sure. Before <laughs> well, we wrap up, Dr. Miller, tell tell us more about your upcoming event, which is the conference that was mentioned earlier, and how is it that who is the target audience and how can people get involved in this conference?
2: All right, the conference is as a virtual conference is on October the 24th, uh, which is a Sunday and it mm-hmm. goes from 8 until 5. The okay. target organ organs. <laughs> 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 target audience medical practitioners of all levels from general practitioners to specialists, specialist kidney people, urologists, surgeons, pediatric surgeons we are also so students, medical students okay. um, also um, the, the we also have gone beyond local to we have had audiences across the caribbean uh, mm. as well so all the other
0: territories um Actually, before moment to have this incorporating right. yes not that they never used to travel but it's it's no it's not easy no
2: And hopefully we might get people from North America because it's an ipna related international pediatric nephrology-associated event. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's basically updates on pediatric kidney disease and urology diseases like urinary infections, bedwetting. So, I mean, there's no restriction on who can attend. Some topics like bedwetting would be, everybody would appreciate. And there are some general ethical topics about how do you help teenagers cope with all the stresses that are associated with having a chronic disease? Right. And how transitioning them into adult care can be done more gently. So okay. there are a variety of very interesting topics.
0: Okay. So what's the cost and how can people get access to this conference?
2: It's a thousand dollars or ten US. Mm-hmm. And they will be posting on social media. We'll be sending out emails to those who were her previous attendees.
1: We will be having a conference website. Okay.
2: Um, and you can find
1: us I'll on Facebook at Jamaica Kidney Kids Foundation. So facebook.com slash Jamaica Kidney Kids Foundation. Instagram, Kidney Kids JA, Twitter, Kidney Kids JA.
2: So okay. once you just go to Jamaica Kidney Kids Foundation, you'll find our social media presence.
0: Is there anything else? Um... Erin or doctor Miller that you, you would like to share with with our audience. Is there anything on your mind that you would like to you know get off your chest?
2: I think from my point of view, I'd like parents to listen to their children more. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times they don't, children don't feel that they are, they can bother their parents with little things like, you know, my pee was burning, my urine was looking a bit funny, my foot is swollen. Um, And when they do tell them, they might be dismissed. So parents need to listen. Parents need to be aware of the simple things that we said that may suggest that the kids have kidney diseases. Symptoms of a urine infection. If your child is very tired, don't assume they're lazy. Get them checked out, you know? Right. So if they have a headache, don't assume you're just seeing the headache because they don't want to wash the dishes. If it's persistent, have it checked out. There are many little warning signs that we tend to ignore until they become really big problems. And I think if we can pick up things early enough in the game, we can help reduce how often kidneys children need to go into kidney failure treatment. Now, mm. what
1: I would like to say is a very special thank you to you, Clandine, because I realize you will not big up yourself on your own show, so let me do it for you. Uh, <laughs> so, having... It's not
0: at all, I <laughs> nothing. I
1: don't even remember which year you came to us to volunteer, but you have been one of the most active <laughs> and you know involved and interested. And you know, I cannot even thank you enough for all that you have done for us over the years. And thank you for making us your inaugural interview. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and for You know, you're always full of ideas in terms of how we can improve. So I am really, really grateful for you and for all that you continue to do. And so I know that this is going to be super successful, especially considering that whatever energy you bring to us, you bring to everything else. Absolutely. Thank you. Congratulations.
0: Yes. Fun fact.
2: Mm.
0: The kidneys act like a washing machine by filtering waste products from the body each day up to 180 liters of blood get filtered through the kidneys and gets cleaned up to 50 times each day this means people that we must keep our kidneys healthy by drinking adequate fluid as dr miller pointedly stated earlier we need to eat a healthy diet we need to keep active reduce our protein in diets maintain a healthy weight, and avoid too much processed foods. Well, there you have it. Thanks to our guests, Dr. Marilyn Miller, Erin Hales, and you, our listeners, for making this segment possible. For those interested in making donations or volunteering, please contact the Jamaica Kidney Kids Foundation at kidneykidsja.com, email jakidney.kids at gmail.com, if you like the program, you can listen or download from any podcast platform. We would also love to get your feedback on this episode, so send us an email at impact 360 jaoutlookcom at Thanks so much for listening. I'm your host, Klein Dean, and I will be back with another episode of Impact 360. Talk to you